Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. So much. Uh, best actress in a supporting role. And the nominees are Joan Judy Davis in Husbands and Wives, Joan Plowright in Enchanted April, Vanessa Redgrave in Howard's End. Miranda Richardson in Damage. Marisa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny. Oscar goes to Marisa Tomei in My Cousin Vinny. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Uh, today we will be discussing 1993 Best Supporting Actress Oscar win, Marissa Tomei, and I am joined by my guest, Ariane Tong. Uh, she is a stand-up comedian, and she has a monthly podcast called Group Therapy on ISO Radio. Ariane, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me, Kyle. I'm so pumped to do this. I really enjoyed the movies. Now, if anybody is listening to this and they're like an audio nerd or something and they're like, oh, my God, like the audio is not up to par. Um, you can suck a giant dick because we are in lockdown right now. And we I'm literally sitting in a closet on a computer doing a conference call. And this is the best that you're going to get for for now. Um, yeah, 100 uh, uh, percent. They they put the queers back in the closet for this one. This right. is not cool. It's not cool whatsoever. <laughs> Very homophobic. it's a bit regressive um so i am so excited to talk about this particular episode just because marissa tomei winning this academy award for best supporting actress this was a um famous what the fuck moment for academy award wins and i'm really excited to talk about it um just because you know the rumor was that um the person that presented the award, Jack Palance, he actually said mm-hmm. the wrong name and that yeah. like haunted her career. Yeah. It's like having a, like so a I'm... permanent asterisk. Yeah. It's, uh, it's upsetting. A hundred, a hundred percent. And I, I don't know. I mean, okay. I'm just really excited to, to sort of talk about this just because, um, I think I think that there are so many reasons why she could like why she won, why she could have won, why somebody voted for her at how mm-hmm. she won. And um I just yeah, uh I got <laughs> I got to say though, this was a very sort of interesting year because all of the nominated performances were very like thespian proper fancy acting british high society and then marissa tomei a hundred percent there was totally different acting styles at play and i i really loved how marissa tomei became like a completely different character i i assume from like 
how she is in normal uh, everyday life. Um, yes. But she seemed to like just transform herself. So like I, I, I really was into her entire performance, and I'm not sure if that's because we're millennials, and it was by far for me the most interesting movie to watch this entire this entire uh, experience of watching the those five movies um but there was like one <laughs> one definitely does not look like the others is is what yeah. i got from this <laughs> yeah i could not agree with that more um i'm actually i'm just gonna make a note here i'm just gonna pause you for one mm-hmm. second could you actually just take the mic maybe like just like three inches away yes thank you yep cool that is okay perfect wherever you that is absolutely perfect thank you so right. much so we don't need that was great okay sorry we're just gonna jump right back in yeah, for uh, sure. and then jump back in three twenty-five. great okay and i could not agree with you more because because every single one of those movies was what i would think would be typical oscar bait in the early 1990s where it was these they almost read like plays oh my god yeah they're like these prestige uh prestige films basically yeah it it was all very like in the same vein as as you said before like uh i honestly had a hard time distinguishing when i was talking about them or like making notes about them i was like was that that movie or the other movie no 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 no. that was uh right (laughs) like howard's and and um and enchanted april uh was kind of a, a it seemed like it was like this made by the same director uh, almost, but um, yeah, it was totally. very, it was very interesting to watch all of these movies in a row. And also what I found interesting was like uh, the themes that ran through all of them and sort of like uh, yeah. the, the time, right? Like they, absolutely. I, I don't know whether it was just because like this award was um, like best supporting actress. So like they, they chose very like i guess female positive um storylines um to for these particular actresses but it, it was there was a lot of um like whim, women being controlled by men type storylines that i found um and, and women trying to like yep. yeah women trying to establish their personhood and individuality but being uh sort of silenced by these very like domineering strong men uh is what i'm i got out of it i don't know what you uh sort of noticed in your watch of all of these movies in a row oh yeah a lot of these movies are really rapey i was like oh, okay that's rape mm, yeah, that's also rape. oh my god is that rape again weird like it's just and then people are always complaining yeah. about how like you know women are not being cast properly and there's so much troubling with like roles for women out there and you watch these movies and you're like like looking back watching these movies and you're like oh yeah like yeah, yeah like a hundred percent well yeah what was your what was your like um your what the fuck moment in uh watching these movies oh my god okay well first of all i actually i i that's a really great jumping off point so let's just jump right into the nominees because i have a what the fuck moment for all of them (laughs) okay all right okay um so uh so this year you know the nominees so let's talk about judy davis in husbands and wives so Mm -hmm. okay this is one of those things where i have to separate the art from the artist because anytime that i see woody allen I just think pedophile and daughter wife and soon. Yeah, just gross. And again, this is another example where it's like that old man 
with these young women and he's supposed to be like the love interest and Sidney Pollack, like yum, like all of these guys, like at least Liam Neeson, like he's a little cutie patootie, but like all of these gorgeous women with all of these really gross guys, it's like, could we could do better. A hundred percent. Hollywood. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I just, I find it very distracting for the entire movie to think that, um, Woody Harrelson oh my god Woody Harrelson Woody Allen uh, <laughs> was that a Freudian so I have no idea uh Woody Allen start uh, a rumor you know he, he am I to believe that of all the men in this movie um that he's the one that was able to remain faithful to his wife at least partially like I, it's totally unbelievable to me I feel like he writes these movies in order to kind of absolve himself <laughs> of any wrongdoing in his personal life I hate it uh so that was a major distracting factor in this film for me but in terms of judy davis and her performance i i definitely thought that she was like the cornerstone of this movie and she was like kind of holding it together from beginning to end for me uh because whenever anyone else came on screen it was just kind of a uh, I, I lost interest um so she definitely did, like, the lion's share of acting in that movie for me at least I want to go back, though, to that thing that you said about Woody Allen. So basically, like, him in this movie doing the right thing was fiction because (laughs) that's the amazing performance was that he was like, I'm a good person. And you're like, "Mm, yeah, okay, give me, like, award for acting because that's a lie. Yeah. Um, And I, I do, I do, uh, I do want to mention though that uh, Jane Fonda was actually originally offered the role of really? Sally, Judy Davis's character, um, but Jane Fonda wanted to take the character in a certain direction, and um, ultimately they had creative differences, and it didn't work out. But I'm so happy that Judy Davis was selected just because, Mm -hmm. but before I jump into just talking about her performance, Mm -hmm. I love Judy Davis because she plays um, Luella Parsons on Feud. And I have watched that show like a million times. And when I saw her in this, I was just like, oh my God, like I already love this and I'm already obsessed with this. And I really just felt like Judy knocked it out of the park in this movie because she played, you know, the wife being left for a younger version of herself, which really could have been like a really gross stereotype the way that she chose to interpret the role. But she played it with such integrity, but also a lot of honesty because she did have her meltdowns. She did have her, you know, moments of weakness. And just when she was kind of not sure about how to get back into the dating world and stuff like that, she did it in a really sort of vulnerable, but also like comedic, and um uh smart way like i just yeah. like you're saying it, couldn't there, take my eyes off of her yeah and there was so many levels to her character because it was like in the beginning she was i feel like she went through all the motions of a, a woman was like uh, going back on the market and then eventually uh, getting back with her husband like she went through all of the emotions in that arc and i believed her at each and every one of these moments like the first scene where she um where she is announcing with her um soon to be like i guess ex-husband to the other couple uh that they were going to be splitting up like she was kind of like calm and serene there and then you see like the progression of her becoming increasingly more angry and uh it, it like she just took you on like a range of emotions and i feel like that was just her character's journey and i feel like she just she, yeah she knocked it out of the park like she like it was uh 
it was interesting to see what her character did. Uh, I definitely would not have left Liam Neeson for that piece of garbage that came back into her life. I would have left him and his philandering ass uh, outside in the cold, uh, kicked him out of my house. Uh, how dare you bring your girlfriend, who you're massively upset with, to my house, leave her in the, the, the driveway. Like, how is that not a red flag to you? How is that not a red flag that's that's not a person that you go back to enjoying everyday life with i just found that increasingly disturbing i guess it was like a through line for all the movies where it was like these women going back to these like terrible men for the most part uh and I just feel like, you know, they like it, it was just not pleasant for me to watch. But it was like, I guess it's the 90s. It was a different time. It was like taboo to get divorced. I have no idea. That is that is something that you do have to consider as well with these movies is that it's like, oh, yeah, this was like filmed in like 1992 and the world yeah. was a different place. Um, and I, just talking about how women talk about how there are a lack of great roles for women in film uh watching back some of these movies you're kind of like yeah like i understand like why that is because uh some of these roles it's like are like really shitty to women oh god and they're always like trapped in these abusive relationships and they're supposed to just be like oh oh, that husband of mine and it's like what the fuck like and um I, I really I I don't think that it's 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 gotten better, but I don't think that it's it's where it should be in terms of equality, especially of the distribution of roles and women, how they're represented in in, in film. Definitely. But I will say that what I loved about Judy Davis in this movie was that she played the character with such integrity and not in like a sort of misogynistic stereotype that it could have gone to. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, if she would have won the Academy Award, I would have been like, yeah, like fair. <laughs> um, I, I thought she did. A, I thought she did a really great job because all of these nominees, all of them, they were they were so great in in different ways. And I I I loved Judy Davis in this. Um, and uh, unless you have anything else to add, we could move on to our next nominee. Yeah, I think that that pretty much sum, sums it up for, for her. I, I really do enjoy the fact that these movies, I guess, like, because 1992 was, um, like, the year of the woman. Um, and it was, like, it sparked off, like, the whole, like, third wave of feminism thing that was going on. And uh, mm. I, I feel uh, this through watching all of these movies, like, I I... I agree with you that it's like it's it hadn't gone as far as it needed to go. Um, but I, you can tell from all of these movies that uh, that there was something happening in terms of um, women and like uh, trying to establish themselves or like in, establish independence from men in some way. Uh, I think that was like a recurring theme. And I thought that was really interesting um, in terms of like Judy Davis's character. I feel like. Not the choice I would have made to go back with him. Uh, right. But, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, it, it was, there was definitely something in the air. Um, and even just the theme of like that whole movie, Husbands and Wives, um, d- Divorce mm-hmm. was like a, I guess like a taboo subject for the day. And I feel like she just p- portrayed a, a woman going through the motions and then coming back to her version of stability in the end. I thought that she did a great job. 
I think that we've made some excellent points. Uh, let's talk about Vanessa Redgrave in Howard's End. Okay. I am just going to say this. I have never seen Howard's End. Uh, Emma Thompson deserved the best actress because she won best lead actress that year. Yeah. Um, she deserved that. I loved her in this movie. I thought the way that she played the character was amazing. Vanessa Redgrave was certainly memorable. She certainly had presence. Uh, I feel like this is going to like upset a lot of like intense movie fans, but <laughs> yeah. like I really feel like Helena Bottom Carter should have oh, been nominated God, yes. over yeah. Vanessa Redgrave. Oh her my character, God. first of all, her character playing like, um, you know, this kind, a like aging, uh, mm-hmm. dying high society woman. She played it perfectly, but she basically did that exact same thing in 1978 in the movie Julia, which she had already previously won her Academy Award for. And it's like, we're not going to be um, rewarding her for the ex- like a very similar role, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And also, oh my God, every five seconds, she's like, you need to go to Howard's End. Have I mentioned Howard's End? Oh, what are you doing later? Would you like to go to Howard's End? Have I mentioned Howard's End 15,000 times? It's like, oh my God, bitch, we get it. Like, you love Howard's End. Like, so, I understand it's a metaphor, but they're driving it forward a little too much. And like, yeah. it won like best writing and stuff like that. And listen, I understand. I understand (laughs) that this at the time is like a high society, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's very, um, it's, it's almost like that snobby movie critic. That's like, Oh, you didn't like Howard's end. Clearly, you know, nothing about films. Like just, and he has like one, you know, scar fucking over his shoulder. And he's just like, do you have any, do you have a 1978 port available? Because I only (laughs) drink 1978 or younger, you know? And you're just like, Oh my God. Like, Watching a movie like this, like, I wanted to kill myself. So, I'm sorry. I found this movie really boring. I loved Helena Bottom Carter's character. I thought it was a lot more interesting. And Vanessa Redgrave, if she would have won an Oscar for this film, um, I... I would have scratched my eyes out. I literally feel like Emma Thompson deserved the best actress, but Uh everybody, everybody, everybody was saying that Vanessa Redgrave was um, like the odds to win um, on this film. I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I don't see it. I'm sure that I'm not, I'm not enlightened enough to understand, but this is the whole thing about this podcast that I want to make very clear to anybody that's listening. I am not a movie expert. I just love to watch movies and I love to discuss, you know, um, why somebody may have won over somebody else or something like that. So maybe I'm just not sophisticated enough to understand it, but truly um, I thought Helena Bottom Carter was a lot more memorable for this and should have been nominated over Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, a hundred percent. And Vanessa Redgrave was only in the movie for about like, I don't know, like five or to 10 minutes even. How yeah. And she, Carter... and she mentioned Howard's end a thousand oh, times yeah. in those five minutes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, I, I thought that uh, Helena Bottom Carter's like character was like, she was like a through line throughout the entire she yes. did more support supporting. Like I don't understand how like what the criteria is for best supporting actress. Like I feel like you have to have some sort of screen time. Um, I, but I don't know. Like it, it was it was kind of like strange for me watching the, seeing the nominees um, that were selected and not seeing her listed on there. I was like, well, uh, like, <laughs> did you have you seen this movie before? 
I hadn't seen it before, but I was like, I was so shocked that it was like, what it was it like two and a half hours long? I was like, this did not need to be two and a half hours long. It was oh, not. Oh my was god, I know. So hard to watch, and like the whole beginning part was just kind of like so drawn out. Like it could have been, it could have been a hot hour and a half or something. Uh, and the and the ending was so anticlimactic for me. I was like, this is this is not real life. I didn't wait all this time for this like lackluster like warm temperature like room temperature like ending to happen like i i, I was yeah. so let down i agree uh, <laughs> it was like wait what like because what was it at the end where um uh, emma thompson's character finds out that anthony hopkins like lied to her about yeah. her actually inheriting howard's end and then she was like oh what was all that business about and then he yeah. was like oh you were supposed to inherit this howard's end estate but i lied to you and manipulated you the entire time and then she was like oh very well jolly good and then that was the it i yeah. was like what we're just Ugh. gonna gloss over that we're just gonna gloss over that that's that's why i was like i was yelling at the screen at the end i was like um you you, you need to confront this like uh, we didn't get to this whole climax of the film uh i thought that it actually that. the scene before i thought that she had left him in the end big mistake uh that she didn't leave huge. him like hu- huge mistake honestly yeah. uh none of these women who in any of these movies should have stayed with their partners like it was the most unhealthy <laughs> thing abusive yeah. toxic terrible and honestly uh, the the one through line that i have with this entire category and all the movies is that like you should not be with your partners uh as soon as the men entered into the plot line that's when it got messed up so i feel like you know that's like the main moral i got from this story is just like don't trust a man because they'll <laughs> they'll, they'll just make things more complicated uh no offense that- to you Um. (laughs) no i i couldn't i couldn't agree with that more i i agree one thing that i will i will say though um did you catch that moment because i can do math where Mm -hmm. anthony hopkins admitted to having sex with a child was that because remember when he was like he was like he was like oh i i had an affair with this woman 10 years ago didn't she say she was like 20 I didn't. I did not catch that. But wow, oh, okay, uh, it must have been a different I'm... time. <laughs> yeah, I, like maybe I maybe I'm wrong, and like maybe I missed that. But I'm pretty sure yeah. I was like, okay, again with the rapiness that's just yeah. going on in all these movies. So I'm sorry, but like, yeah, Vanessa Redgrave. I mean, I guess that's kind of a spoiler to the end of this episode. Ooh. But unless my sentiments at the beginning of talking about this nominee, <laughs> yeah. I just, I do. Okay. So it's like um, there there have been nominees in the past that have literally had five minutes of screen time and won um, uh, and won an Academy Award. I know that um, Dame Judi Dench she won for Shakespeare in Love and she was only in the movie for like I think like eight eight minutes or ten minutes or something like that. But you know she had presence and you remembered her and every scene she was in it was like whoa and when it came to Vanessa Redgrave I really I really remembered her I would say she was very memorable she certainly Mm -hmm. had presence she played a dying dead rich white woman pretty well um but to be honest with you uh I feel like it just I mean, she it, at that time in history, wasn't she already a dying rich white woman? I don't know. It was a bit. It wasn't much of a stretch. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just taking her own life experience to inform the character, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's too good. Um, yeah, I, we're on the same page with that, though. I don't think that she, you know, I don't think that it was an incredible performance by any means. I wasn't blown away. Uh, my, my, I would agree. She, yeah. she acted it well. Like, absolutely, she acted it well. I, mm. I just... I uh, I don't know. I feel like every I can just hear all the like film critics, their eyes just rolling right now. Like, oh, how gauche! You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whatever. Um, again, suck a dick. Podcast <laughs> is not for them. It's not for them. It's they it's it, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um. Okay. So, uh, Vanessa Redgrave, uh, was our last nominee. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss Miranda Richardson in Damage now. Yes. She um, had actually won the BAFTA, and I think that she uh, had, the again, the odds to win. Although, I keep saying this because all of the nominees really, except for Marissa Tomei, everybody expected any one of those nominees to win. Miranda Richardson in Damage, um, it was one of those things where when you were watching the movie, it was kind of just like a, you know... And uh, and uh, like a uh, an ignorant wife having no idea that her not ignorant but like she unbeknownst to her her husband was cheating on her she was yeah. just that supportive loving mother mm-hmm. um, nothing really nothing to uh, like wow factor but then in the end yes. you know when yeah. when she has been beating herself over the loss of her son and yeah. she is angry and she just totally flips and like. Yeah, that scene at the end was so. uh, I think that's what got her the nomination for that. uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was some good acting that last five minutes of the film. But yeah, in terms of. um, Yeah, uh, she 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 was like a a a knowledgeable presence. I guess I I don't think she's her character was stupid at all. I think she had suspicions. In fact, at the beginning, she she immediately states like that she doesn't trust what was her name um the the mistress juliet binoche yeah juliet binoche um okay so i i I sense that like the characters like all throughout all of these movies they they have an opinion that is like totally disregarded by the men in these stories and then i feel like at the end of the movie it's always like they the men always um make that own realization by experience uh but it's always like you know the movie wouldn't have happened if you had just listened to the wife in the first place right type thing um it's it was just like an interesting um thematic thing that i was like guys just listen to your wives like uh just just uh don't put yourself through the heartache and the incredibly sketchy situation you're about to do just listen to your wife and everything's gonna be fine um yeah at the end though uh of miranda's performance i was like i was like riveted that entire end scene uh and i was like you know what an interesting movie that was all around like when we're talking about like the the terrible sex sex scenes and and whatever it was like this was like a very erotic film um and i feel like uh there was hardly any focus on on miranda's character in terms of like sex or whatever she was like very much like the homebody the home the housewife type type figure 
Um, so she wasn't really sexualized at, at, at all in this film, I think. Right. Um, I just, I, I felt um, like she wasn't, I didn't see the edge that she had the entire movie, but Same. obviously she had some edge if she, like, she was, like, hitting herself, like, at yeah. the end, right? Like, she's, like, you know, she was so angry and obviously like had all this like passion like pent up in her and i feel like if her husband had just known that he like they could have tapped into that and like made their sex life like way more interesting and yet he like (laughs) he like just like found he like uh, you know found somebody else this young thing that like they're having all this weird sex but he could have had all that at home and then his kid would have still been alive you know what i mean so i felt like that was a real tragedy right there um yeah I found for sure that, um, first of all, thank God Julia Binoche was not nominated for that because, mm-hmm. okay, that movie, watching it, because I, one of my favorite things to do, I like to watch movies because I had never seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I like to do, I don't like to read um, descriptions about movies or even watch trailers. I like to just yeah. watch them and then just sort of see what is going on. And, okay, so Julia Binoche kind of just like shows up at like a, like an industry thing and they like mm-hmm. hardly speak. <laughs> And then suddenly they're like having this weird like corpse fish flopping on the floor sex where they're not moving at all. And Jeremy Irons is like coming in like two seconds and she was like, (laughs) yum, let's do that again. And you're like, I don't buy any of this. And I mean, okay, obviously I understand that like they can't have a sex scene go on forever and that's why they come in two seconds. Like, I understand that's why the movie does that. But what's interesting was that Variety magazine yeah. um, actually had written that because this film was so famous before it had come out. Yeah. And Variety magazine had written that it was unjustly famous before its release for its hardly extraordinary erotic content. <gasps> and I could not agree more. Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that article, but like definitely uh, that's an opinion I share. Uh, it, it, it was very uncomfortable to watch. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think that the B- BDSM community uh, would sign off on it either. I know it's, no. yeah, it's. It was just gross. <laughs> yeah. And I was like thinking, I was like, uh, is, am I missing something here? Am I doing sex wrong? Because like Hollywood seems to have a different idea about how to pleasure people. Uh, so it's, it, it was just, it was so strange um, for like, for a film that was like mostly based around sex it was like it, it could not have been odder for me uh it was <laughs> and less sexy <laughs> yeah and less sexy i wasn't it was not arousing whatsoever um i'm talking did you notice though how like um jeremy irons took every opportunity that he could to like smear his dick onto everybody because there was Ju- there was juliette binoche <laughs> then of course obviously miranda richardson and then when the son died he ran to him naked oh, and God, like yeah. And, like, embraced him naked. And it's like, really, Jeremy Irons? Your son just died. The last thing that he needs is some Jeremy Irons dick all over him. Like, that's just, yeah, putting the nail in the coffin and just that, you know, setting fuel. That's just a horrible way to go out. Jeremy Irons dick on you. (laughs) A hundred percent. And it's even worse because whenever I hear his voice, I just think about Scar from Lion King. And that memory is ruined for me now with this movie. (laughs) So that's uh, not a great thing Oh, side note. Yeah. Oh, I agree. No, but did you know, side note, so uh, like apparently it's like one of these things. I don't, I haven't really done much research about this, but apparently mm-hmm. Scar is like one, is like supposed to be like a gay character, but uh-huh. it's like never spoken about. 
it's oh like implied. Gosh. Why? Yeah. Okay. Is <laughs> is Jeremy Irons gay himself? No. 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 no, no. Okay. Uh, that's that's interesting that people would make that connection with it not even being a uh, a thing. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I think people read too much into things. Absolutely. But like, yeah, that's apparently like a. And also, <laughs> Ursula the Sea Witch is supposed to also be like a lesbian. Oh. <laughs> That's a big butch haircut. (laughs) That's strange. Why would she marry the prince? uh, Try to marry the prince, and uh, you know what? It's fine. We need to do a a different episode on uh, on uh, Disney Disney uh, foibles or Disney Disney controversies. Yeah, gay gay uh, gay controversies. Okay. Um, this episode's been very gay. I love it. Okay. (laughs) So, but but I will. But just you know, talking about Miranda Richardson, Mm -hmm. it's like. Um, the way that she sort of transformed from that, like, you know, loving wife to that, Mm -hmm. that seething hatred. I mean, she just knocked it out of the park. I think that it was just acted absolutely perfectly and she maintained the integrity of the character so well. And, uh, like, honestly, like she won the, uh, British Academy award and I fully support that. I, I thought I thought that I just thought and also too because she was in the other nominated movie Enchanted April she played like a a big part in that so for this year they had seen a lot of her range and what she could really Mm. do and so I think that that probably contributed to her nomination she was having a fantastic year and um yeah, no, I thought <clears throat> I thought Miranda Richardson was also, but my favorite Miranda Richardson role is in Sleepy Hollow when she plays the like evil wife. I always <laughs> wanted to be her and I was like, oh, I love this bitch. <laughs> That's so strange that she she was in two movies that year or this year that we're talking about. And uh, yeah, that they, she still wouldn't have been chosen. That's like a real like disappointing Leo DiCaprio moment. That you could just be putting out some good work and then never get uh, never get the award. Uh, did she ever win? D- do you know? No, she had been nominated for two Academy Awards and she had never won. But you know, there are mm-hmm. so many great actors and actresses mm-hmm. like Glenn Close, for example, who have just never won an Oscar. And you're literally wow. like, honestly, you know, these Oscars. It, it, they're silly. They're just big bowling trophies. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, there, it's a it's prestige basically, but I, I'm sure that there's a lot of politics that goes on off screen that oh, we don't yeah. ever get to see, uh, which is the frustrating part because it's like I'd like to know in all context uh, what went down. I, I just want to know the tea. I want the tea to be spilt on um, the, the dealings for Academy Awards because I just feel like it'd be an interesting, in, interesting uh, context builder oh yeah there are there are so many politics absolutely and i mean it is i think what a lot of people don't realize though about the academy awards is that it is based on votes it's not Mm. like there's this group of five or six people that are like you know what like it's leo's year like it is it is actually like you have to do a campaign people do have to vote that's why price waterhouse is there to count and to ensure that uh the correct winner is being awarded with the oscar and um it's like that really with anything because uh when i when i won uh the canadian comedy award for best Mm -hmm. breakout artist Mm -hmm. um i you know a lot of people were wondering who was gonna win and Mm -hmm. for me i i well i didn't actually think that i was going to win but i put in the work i put i i reached out to people i said hey could you throw me a vote that'd be great if you 
could yada yada but that's what you have to do all of and everyone's like oh yeah because they got like the most moment of people to vote yeah. for them blah, blah blah these awards don't mean anything yeah but it's like that with every award whether it's the oscars or the grammys or even the yeah. canadian comedy awards it's literally you have to get people to vote for you and then whoever got won the campaign yeah. wins the award it's not like a select group of people that decide like all right kyle's gonna win no it's just a an accumulation of numbers and votes and that's really what it comes down to yeah that's what you're so right about like any that's the controversy and uh you know the reality of all award shows basically uh is that i i think that people don't win for no reason uh i think that there's like all this background work that we don't see and so um when something happens that you know it conflicts with our own opinions it's like you know you're quick to say you know that person didn't deserve it or whatever but you don't you weren't part of the process right like you don't know all the work that that happened behind the scenes so i just feel like you know what there's you just gotta grind you just gotta hustle (laughs) hustle harder can't take anything for granted these days you got like if you have talent you have to back it up with some marketing skills you know what i mean uh you can't just ride off talent alone because that's not gonna put uh food on the table you know what i mean 100 percent yeah. Now let's talk about let's talk about Joan Plowright in Enchanted April. Mm-hmm. See, this was actually kind of upsetting for me because this was Joan Plowright's only um Oscar nomination. And I didn't I for some reason thought that she had, like had been nominated for like all of these um mm-hmm. performances. But you know it's funny when I saw her um when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the movie Bringing Down the House, which now looking back is really problematic. But <laughs> I loved that movie. And she played this like racist old white woman. And when I saw her, I was like, oh, my God, that's that's the lady from, you know, from Bringing Down the House. And I, I always forget that Miranda Richardson is like this esteemed actress, but she has done a lot of B movies, mm. even though she's a fantastic actress. So in this particular, so when Enchanted April, you know, she's a high society, fussy old woman, um, much to talk, like when we were, when I was mentioning earlier about Dame Judi Dench and Shakespeare in Love, um, Joan Plowright had such presence in this movie and she really owned every single scene um, that she was in. Uh, She was actually not nominated for the British Academy Award for the BAFTA. um, And I really don't have much to say about this performance. I thought that she acted it extremely well. I don't think it was particularly remarkable. And the fact that she was not nominated for the BAFTA, the British Academy Award, I'm not really that surprised by it. Um, And what I, the thing that I found really interesting about Enchanted April was that there was actually no road up to this castle that they were filming in, in Italy. Mm. Uh, But there was like a villa or something across the way with a private elevator that, only Joan Plowright could could use, oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought I I love that kind of diva story. I love, I love that, and it's kind of like true to her character as well in the movie. Uh, is she's she is so fussy in the movie, but I she kind of makes it for me. She every scene that she was in, I was like, yep, old old Joni's. Uh, she I agree with all of her opinions. Uh, yes. Um, I think that there's like we were talking about the strong force uh, and commanding force in in the in the movies. Like every one of these movies that we saw had somebody who just kind of stole the scene every scene that they were in, and she, I think that she was that person in this movie. Um, yeah, just because like 
I guess the nature of her, her character is overbearing and she kind of like um, demands to be heard in, in so many ways. And yeah, I just, I, I love the part where, uh, where I can't remember the, the main, main lady's character, uh, but she's inviting her husband um, to come stay and they're having that conversation at the dinner table uh and she just was like um actually i have a friend who i'd like to invite and like tries to like nix uh right everyone's plan but it's just like i i just got really love that scene she's like she's like kind of the matriarch i guess of the the whole the whole film i think um the character the name that you were thinking of it was uh lottie lottie yes lottie yes sorry about that um oh that's okay yeah i am yeah, what like what did you think about about her her presence in this whole thing? And what yeah, did, I mean, yeah. It, it sort of had that like Downton Abbey feel where it was like extremely well written, extremely well acted. It really did um, read more like a play than a movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, these like gorgeous women with these really gross guys uh, <laughs> yeah. seems to be. There was one guy when the like bathtub like exploded and he was yeah. like one of the workers kind of came in yeah and i was like oh and then i was like no please don't leave come back because he was cute <laughs> yeah and you know i mean i guess i guess like it you shouldn't be uh hired for an acting role just based on your looks but yeah. when you're looking at the way that the women were cast it's like well let's play tit for tat here because fair is fair if you're gonna do that to the women do that to the men too Hundred <laughs> percent. give us all something to look at um I agree. Yeah, it it was so strange to see the women in these movies, uh, especially um, Rose. I think Rose's uh, character go back to her husband, uh, I guess. Who like, and there was like no repercussions for that guy who was like clearly cheating on his wife with um, Carolyn. Uh, yeah, and, and like they just keep on on their merry way. They they like go off and. Uh, into the sunset back to their normal everyday lives in london and surely everything was fine after that like so many times in these movies i was like i want to see the movie after the like like what happens afterwards i want to see the sequel to this because like this can't be this can't how you just like you know you can't just like absolve the male characters this way you know what i mean like there's no no, 100 for them like whatever but but that's also another common theme. The only really, I mean, Jeremy Irons, the consequence was that like he, you know, at the end of Damage, yeah. like yeah, yeah. what, true. like disappeared and like became like a recluse. But yeah. I mean, but talking about Joan Plowright, you know, she mm-hmm. won the Golden Globe for the Best Supporting Actress. I think that a lot of people were expecting her to win. It is a bit of a mm-hmm. career Oscar for her because she had been in the industry for so long since like mm-hmm. the 60s. And, yeah. you know, I... um. I think that she just acted it so well, but um, like we were saying, you know, it's like she was such a commanding presence and I really don't really, I like, if if it's okay with you, like I, we could move on to the final nominee just because I I feel, I feel like those are really just my thoughts on, on the performance um, from Joan Plowright. So let us talk about the winner of the best supporting actress in 1993, Marissa Tomei for My Cousin Vinny. Okay, I am going to be honest with you. I have never seen this movie before. Oh, my God. I loved 
every minute of it. I have, oh, ne- God, it was, yeah. you know, there's always like movies that are like play like in syndication or they play like on old um, channels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And listen, as a stand, as a professional stand up comedian, I am in hotels all the time in the afternoon. I got nothing to do. So it's like, I'll smoke <laughs> some weed. I'll watch the movie channels at the hotel have. Yeah. I've never seen my cousin, Vinny. I've never even heard of this movie before. That's and so I strange. think, yeah. It's so strange. It was so funny. And I always forget how good Joe Pesci is at comedic acting. Um, The Karate Kid was in it. I mean, it was just a great (laughs) cast. Like, I loved this movie. I love this movie. Talking about Marissa Tomei. Now, we did talk about this earlier. Whoops, sorry. Uh, We did talk about this earlier. Um, This Oscar moment haunted her career basically until la la land when la la land Mm. they accidentally when faye dunaway said oh it's la la land but it was actually moonlight and price waterhouse price waterhouse had to come in to be like no like it was it was moonlight and that sort of showed the world like ha you see like Mm. you that is the whole point of price waterhouse this is what we do but what makes me sad about that that took like 20 years for Mm -hmm. like practically 20 years for marissa tomei um and at that point, she had already been nominated two more times um, for In the Bedroom in 2001 and uh, for The Wrestler in 2008, both in supporting mm-hmm. roles. It just makes me really sad that, you know, people are still or or they were up until that La La Land moment still having that conversation. Yeah, I, I thought that regardless of what you thought about uh whether she should have won or not you have to concede that like she did some really freaking good acting in in that entire movie she never once broke character she's like no she she was for me she was the more most interesting character in the entire movie even more than joe pesci uh and i totally agree they really um they those two acted so well together and even though i thought that obviously Marissa Tomei's character, Mona Lisa Vito, in that movie could have done like how many times better uh, uh, on the scale of hotness? Uh, could have got herself a much right. better looking partner. <laughs> I actually thought that they had such a good, like, uh, on screen chemistry. And I, out of all the movies, I thought that their relationship, even though like he didn't listen to her in the beginning, I thought that their relationship was actually the best one. Like, he, he ended up listening to her in the end. That's how they won the case. And right. I felt like, they really complimented each other. Um, and yeah, I, I just thought that they, they, as a team, they did really well acting together. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I just thought I, I was riveted from beginning to end. It was like my favorite movie of all of these to watch from beginning to end. Uh, what else? Uh, well, what, what I, I mean, I don't know about you, but when, even when she, she was just in the scene, but she wasn't speaking, I just, I couldn't take my eyes off of her. Yeah. It was like, I was like, oh my God, like, what is she doing? What is she going to say? Like, I was so interested in her character. Now, I do realize that this was probably more of a um, commercial, like a more universally accepted sort of uh, movie compared to the other ones, because the Mm -hmm. other ones were certainly more like bougie and like more like high society, like acting and very thespian and stuff like that. But there is something to be said about a comedic performance. And I think comedic acting is one of the hardest things to do. And um, I will say that um, a lot of people don't take comedic performances very seriously. And comedic acting is 
you know, very difficult. It's a, it's such a talent. They say that, uh, it's easier for uh, comedic actors to go dramatic than it is for dramatic actors to go comedic. And if you can do that's both, right. then that, then you are a great actor. Uh, Absolutely. So I think that it's overlooked. We, we as stand-up comedians know that comedy is overlooked as a genre uh, across the board. So I feel yes. like, uh, yeah, they, it definitely is a, um, a stigma, I guess, of, you know, uh, when you think about like a serious performance, like you're not necessarily thinking comedic um, uh, because yes. two things don't necessarily go together. But I do think that, you know, the point of the story, it, the, the, the whole movie had underlying themes uh, that were, I think why, um, why the movie, I guess, got considered for, for for awards in the first place uh and her performance and like portrayal of that like i think it was warranted um i don't know what you think about that but i would i i'm okay with it i'm here for it i thought that um one thing i just picture okay she wins the oscar Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you've seen the video but she genuinely is she looks surprised (laughs) happy but surprised Yeah. yeah and i think that um I think that Miranda Richardson kind of was expecting the Oscar and, Mm. and she, she looked really surprised too. And I just love the idea of all of these snobby (laughs) film critics watching like, you know, a more like, first of all, my cousin Vinny is a movie that like the average person would watch. The average person is not going to be watching like, enchanted april or hard's end it's like that's not the kind of movie that people watch and i think that this was a bit of a change for the type of roles that the academy would um you know put a spotlight on and reward because uh i think a lot of people a lot of america mm-hmm. like probably hadn't even seen a lot of those movies like hard's end and you know uh, because my cousin Vinny, it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more interesting. It's a lot more entertaining, in my opinion. America, it was so. It was. I found it was so funny to see um, two parts of America that you wouldn't put together at all, like like the New York Bronx uh, yeah. society accent and the um, and like the deep southern uh, part of America. Like those are like two Americas of all of the other Americas that like are seen to be like the low class um, of America Uh, and to see them interact and interplay in that movie was so interesting to watch because yeah I loved it and um, one thing that I love so much is okay so there was a film critic Rex Reed in 1997 um, who said to Geraldo Rivera that uh, Mm -hmm. Palance was so uh drunk that that's why you know he had said that her name and then roger ebert the film critic was so mad at this that he actually got the academy to issue an official denial to Mm -hmm. the claim and i love that i hate that so many people had to come to her defense it's just Mm -hmm. what i think personally happened was that everybody was looking at these amazing thespian high society performances mm-hmm. that like a classically trained actor would do and then the 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 actor that won was playing like a out of work hairdresser that was like talking like this and like hey baby what's up and because it wasn't as sophisticated of a performance yeah. 
they were like, what? And I love that. I love that she won and everybody hated her for it. Because if yeah. I would have won, I would have milked the shit out of that moment. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, fuck all of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love the, the that the underdog won in this in this particular instance. They they really like Kanye'd her though, right? They like they basically yes. <laughs> Yeah, they they basically uh gave her her award, but like put a permanent asterisk because like what like what, when you think of like Taylor Swift the first thing that comes to mind is like when she got her award and Kanye just like went up there and um you know said what he said and th- that was like a career maker and you know an experience that stayed with her for the, the rest of her career you know what I mean it sounded it kind of feels the same way yeah. in that uh it, it it's I I honestly feel like it's uh, I, I don't know what I feel like. I feel like it's wrong to to be um, disparaging anyone's achievements. Um, yeah, uh, you know, just, like just let it be. Like opinions are opinions. Like there's no way to prove like who deserved what more than the other person. I feel like so. I just I feel like it's like a it was bullying before its time. I I don't know if if you agree or not. No, I fully agree with that. And also at the same time, and it's like the whole thing about this podcast as well is it's like, it's just a friggin' statue. Yeah. It's like they, none of this matters. It's all just for fun. And it's like if you have the award, you have the prestige. It's mm-hmm. like you don't need to have an Academy Award to people for people to think that you're a good actor. I just mm-hmm. am obsessed with the idea that somebody is being rewarded over somebody else. And I do feel like it's a really it's a personal thing. So the mm-hmm. whole purpose of this podcast is to be like, well, if I could have selected a winner, then I would have picked this person. And I just mm-hmm. want to hear like why they would have selected that person because I find that interesting just because really again all five of these nominees they were amazing every single one of the performances was great and it's like there has to be a winner and that sucks um so let's get to the final moment then uh of who we think that the Oscar should have gone to so um I will allow you to go first all right uh so I think that the best supporting actress uh award should have gone to Marissa Tomei because you yeah. know what I really freaking <laughs> love I love an underdog story like all of these films uh all of these films were so similar to me in terms of performance I thought all thought that they were I thought that they were great across the board but I definitely thought that Marissa Tomei's performance was so different, you know, than all of the other characters. I thought that she, to put on that accent for an entire movie and uh, to stay in that character for the entire, the entirety of the film, she did such a good job. I don't think you can take that away from her. Um, I think that, yeah, I just think that she deserved it, you know? And I think that it's really great that she had that experience of winning so early in her career. Um, and honestly, I think that she backed it up with her performances, especially in The Wrestler. Like, I remember first seeing her in The Wrestler um, mm-hmm. before I saw My Cousin Vinny, and I was like, she is such a good actress. Uh, I, like... Uh, I became obsessed with her at that point. I was like, so it's not unfounded that she had won that award in the first place. Uh, so I don't, yeah, I, I just think that I'm, I stand by Marissa Tomei. I think that she deserved it. She worked hard for it. And you know what? 
No one could take that award away from her, okay? She was the best. She was the best. And you guys need to just step in line because you're jealous. You're jealous of her, and I don't like it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay. Um, so, all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead. And so, um, so I think that in 1993, the best supporting actress Academy Award should have gone to. Marissa Tomei. Oh my God. It's like not even, it's not, like it's a Fritz Bernays. I mean, there's just no question. I literally, when I watched this movie again, I had never seen it before. Her performance was so captivating. It was so funny. Every single scene, she nailed the accent. She nailed absolutely. Like, I just don't think that she could have, I I can't even picture any other actor doing that role. Um, I remember, um, I remember Jennifer Lawrence got nominated for um, Hustle, Hustle mm, and Flow. American Hustle, yeah. American, American, yeah. American Hustle. Yes, that's right. Sorry. Thank you. And uh, she was almost like playing like a version of who Marissa Tomei yeah. was kind of playing. And I just thought that Marissa Tomei did it like 15,000 times better where I'm like, oh, like this is what, you know, Jennifer Lawrence should have done. And yeah. like... Yes, I agree. Like the role wasn't as meaty, but she friggin' like she wasn't the star of the movie and I couldn't take my eyes off of her. She was so funny. She was like just such an interesting character. And I loved like her little camera and like she really was so memorable to me and she she stood out the most. Yeah, she stood out the most and uh, sorry to interrupt, but um. Yeah, I just thought that her character in the movie was like, it's kind of like she was supporting her partner, right? Like she she was downplaying how brilliant she actually was so that her partner would feel important and and all this stuff, right? And I feel like that's like... I don't know. I just felt I felt that she did such a good job of portraying that, like, you know, the the feeling of knowing that you're smart and you have so much to offer, but also like being considerate of uh, other people's uh, emotions and and you know, kind of lifting other people up before yourself uh, type thing. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Yeah, exactly. Like the supporting role. I, I loved it. To be, if I'm being honest, I, I really thought that uh, Miranda Richardson was a really close tie. I, I really had a, dis- I, I had a difficult time deciding between Miranda Richardson and uh, Marissa Tomei just because Miranda, just that scene where she had been beating herself and just her anger like you could feel her anger i thought that that was like such an amazing moment but just as an overall performance Uh for me it it was it was marissa tomei and i'm so sad that you know this moment haunted her career but you know what she has a fucking oscar and a lot of those other people never will and so to them 100 100 percent. uh we're totally on the same page about um the if marissa tomei wasn't in the picture uh i definitely would have given it given it to miranda for just even for that one scene because i was like I was like clutching my chest that entire time she was giving her monologue at the end of that movie. And I totally felt her pain over losing her son. And it was like, that's what acting is. You know, you just got to, yes, you got to feel the feeling, got to feel the emotions. They totally did that. I think those were my top two picks as well. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Best Actress. Um, I want to thank Ariane Tong for being uh, my guest this week. Thank you so much for watching all of these movies and your input. Uh, you can check uh, Ariane out at aloha.tong on social media. And again, she is the host of the podcast Group Therapy on ISO Radio. And check out the Instagram because there might be some things happening that could be uh, benefiting people uh, for mental health reasons and maybe making, earning some, some, I don't know, some funds or is, is it a fundraiser? Is that what it is? Um, it, it could be a fundraiser. I think I'm just going to be doing it out of the goodness of my my heart and also boredom during the whole quarantine, yeah. <laughs> quarantine uh, period that we're going through right now uh, for my sanity, mostly. So that'll right. be good. thank you so much for Love having it. me. Thank you so much for for doing this. I appreciate it so much. Uh, all right. Well, good luck and stay safe. Thank you. Bye.